Hey, everybody. My name is Justin Murphy, and this is my podcast. It's called Other Life because it's where I talk about all the things I don't get to talk about in normal life. So if you're into it, you should definitely subscribe. And if you'd like to talk to other people interested in what I'm interested in, or ask me questions or request future topics or guests, please just follow the link in the show notes. Finally, I just want to give a huge thanks to all the donors and patrons. I could not keep this podcast running without financial backers, so I'm very grateful. And I would just say that if you enjoy this podcast or my blog or my videos, please do consider signing up to give a little bit of money each month. It would really help me grow out this project, and it would mean a lot to me. So thanks a lot. Now on to the podcast. Over and out. Hello. Can you hear me and see me okay? Yes. Am I officially live? Yes, we are live on the internet. Sweet. It's our first test, I suppose. Yeah. Do you not do uh, live streaming very often or have you ever? I've been live streaming my entire life. So oh, I just sorry. was wondering if we were testing first. No. Um, <laughs> hi, Justin. Nice to meet you. It's Hi. Like, I'm sorry to yeah. uh, question your uh, live streaming credentials. I was just trying oh, to no. be welcoming. I, I'm, I'm happy to be here. I was actually just listening to your podcast that you did with Nina Power, the feminist academic who was ostracized from the left for apparently being too leftist. Um, so yeah, yeah I, I love your work. Thank, Thank you. I appreciate that. that. Yeah. And I'm, I'm very interested to have this conversation with you. I've, I, as I just introduced you to my audience before you came on, I said that basically, I don't know too much about you, but I have seen your name out there on the wider on on the weird wide world of the internet uh for the past few years i have seen your name and i was saying to your credit although i don't know too much about you and i hope to learn more about you in this conversation that uh you were kind of i saw your name the first time i saw your name was kind of when the whole like social justice warrior nonsense was really first kicking off and you know back then it was like much people were much more afraid to speak out against that kind of stuff um right because it was just more normal it was it was really kind of uh, much more common and dominant. And now they're, now it's kind of cool to kind of rebel against that. It's, 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 it's kind of reached such kind of undeniable levels of stupidity that now there's a lot of people going on the record as saying, this is obviously stupid and people have taken their licks. And now there's a kind of emerging coolness around, you know, like uh, calling all the SJW stuff bullshit. So I kind of remember your, seeing your name for the first time a few years back as one of the people that was trying to kind of attack that stuff. Uh, like before it was cool in some sense and when it was still like kind of dangerous to do that. So um, that that's kind of the image I have of you. That's about all I know of you coming into this conversation. Okay. Yeah. I called myself an antisocial justice warrior in 2013. I had no idea there was going to be a huge anti-SJW backlash. I don't even know about the term SJW. I was just an anti-social justice warrior because I didn't like what social justice had become. I came from a very far left anarchist background. I read Crime Think, books like Temporary Autonomous Zone by Hakeem Bey. I was going to info shops. I was a member of Black Bloc. I was going to anti-globalization protests. Um, suddenly, I'm at Occupy, and it's a journalist tent, and people are hashtagging their activism. So I declared myself an anti-social justice warrior. Um, I, I had no idea there was going to be this, this huge um, bad, so to speak. Right. So I would love to spend a little bit more time understanding just what you're all about, really, like what your viewpoints essentially boil down to, not to pigeonhole you at all, but just to understand ultimately what what your viewpoints boil down to, because you, you know, I think you're you have a lot of complicated ideas. I did spend some time mm -hmm. today reading your book that you sent me. Thank you for mm -hmm. that. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's complicated. So I, without, you know, pigeonholing you, I do like to kind of just get the gist of someone kind of as as efficiently as possible. So, I mean, 
I think one way to to dig into that is my understanding is that you were kind of in near reaction for quite a while. Is that right? But now you're not. Maybe you could explain that or tell that story. I'm, I'm not sure if near reaction was really something that I was in or if anybody's really in near reaction. My sure. experience with what people call NRX was that I was on Twitter talking to about 10 people about certain ideas we had on governance, control, social systems. And we were just discussing these ideas, what you might consider real politic and this phony social activism, how it had become this kind of corporate ideology. So it was really just me, um, a few less wrong kind of um, segue people. And that that was really it. Um, I remember NRX um, before Nick Land himself came along. I didn't know about Nick Land at the time. I was literally just discussing ideas about metapolitics with 10 weirdos on Twitter. That was my initial experience with near reaction. Okay. Now, but what about your, I want to get a quick sense of just what exactly is your ideological profile, if you will. You said before that you're, you, you kind of come from left-wing circles, but then Uh you're kind of in neo reactionary circles. So just give give us a breakdown there. I am what you would consider a post-left anarchist, also known as an individualist anarchist. Okay. I do not believe in a political binary. Um, my only interest in the right wing is what I consider the art right, which is the name of my book, The New Art Right. I feel that politics in its current state is very, very unfortunate. Um, so my interest in neo reaction was just to discuss ideas that other people were not able to have in respectable society. Um, when when I left Neo Reaction, um, I, I wrote an article called Breaking Up with Neo Reaction. It was because it had turned into uh, a cesspit of just um, a bunch of LARPing, more Machiavellian thou um, trolls. Um, I, I came up with a term for this. I called it cruelty signaling. Um, mm. And it was just a bunch of people cruelty signaling. So I exited Neo Reaction because I was bored with it. Um, I remember trying to get these these Twitter users into industrial music, neo-folk, art. Um, They they just didn't understand the facets of culture that had gotten me into these ideas to begin with. Um, But I did have some really interesting conversations. I had a lot of sparring with Mr. Nicoland of accelerationist fame. Um, We used to hate each other. Um, I, I kind of felt like... He came into my little playground, and um, this is going to sound very um, egomaniacal, but he kind of like stole my troops from me and turned <laughs> them into his little ant farm. Um, but about five days ago, when I told him about the origins of the Extinction Rebellion movement, which was a rebel of underground and a cult message board for post-leftists um, in London, he followed my company on Twitter. So... Nickland finally followed me. Um, now I'm an official accelerationist fan. Um, that doesn't mean that I support all of the ideas. Um, the ideas that I support are based on individual sovereignty. That is what I am. I'm an individualist. Okay. Okay. Interesting. And so tell me more about your, your beef with Nick Land. What happened there? <laughs> okay. So when I was talking to 10 people on Twitter about these kind of new reactionary ideas uh, about real politic uh, 
about the future of government, about creating this kind of post-liberal kind of simulation, um, burning down the cathedral, so to speak, um, though some people considered my language too extreme. Um, Nick Land kind of came in and sort of took this Straussian approach to everything. Um, at the time, I wasn't familiar with Strauss and persecution and the art of writing, any of that. And he kept just telling me, like, like chill out. You're, you're saying too much. Keep, keep it on the DL. Um, where, where I was more just like I wanted to be very open and bold. So um, <laughs> we okay. just ended up arguing with each other a lot. Um, I... I found it an interesting dynamic because he was kind of in that, that cyber Gothic occult realm too. I, mm-hmm. I think he might've seen me as like that annoying little cousin that just couldn't shut up okay. looking back. Um, but I have a, a really great interest in the ideas and the philosophies um, on a mental level, far more than on a political scale. Okay. That's interesting. You know, I've always been partial myself to, just saying everything under my own name and letting it all hang out there. The whole like esoteric uh, yeah. kind of traditions. I understand where they're coming from and I, right. I don't necessarily have any negative judgments of them per se, but that's never been my style either. And I get a lot of flack also for some reason, like a lot of people like to talk shit about people who like use their real name and just want to be straightforward and public about what they think. And it, yeah. it's a weird, it's a weird thing to hate. Like, I don't know why it attracts so much, you know, they have a name okay. for people, for people like me, they call us name fags. Name fags. <laughs> well, huh? proud to be a name fag. I think it's, so. it's a strange thing to, to protest or to, to criticize, um, but um, I, yeah, there's I, this weird, yeah, there's this I, weird cleavage on the internet of like people who are purely anonymous and then people who like to put everything they say and think under their own name. I, it seems like an unnecessarily kind of, an unnecessary kind of conflict, but it's interesting. Yeah. I find it interesting too. I think a lot of the, roots of this kind of esotericism are justified, but some people have taken it too far. Um, and for me, it seemed like neo-reaction had devolved into what my issue was with the left was this PR kind of respectability politics. Um, and being that I'm not a member of a respectable society, I, I went to art school, I didn't graduate college, I'm an independent founder and freelancer, I didn't feel a connection to that social sort of um, bureaucratic um, quasi-political simulation. I just wanted to talk about ideas and see what was on my mind and hear other people's thoughts. That's where I was coming from. Okay. Interesting. Now, where are you calling in from, if you don't mind me asking? I'm in a secret bunker in California. I can't announce the name. People on all sides are against me. Um, No, I'm (laughs) about an hour and a half away from the East Bay. Interesting. But are you actually in a bunker? I'm in a co-working space that is meant to look like one. It probably ups the membership fee uh, about $50. But, you know, it's cool for photo shoots, uh, live streams, that kind of thing. So, Oh, cool. So there are like private rooms you can go into or what? Yeah, yeah. I'm in the conference room. Nice. Um, is this co-working space some kind of strange death cult? Because I noticed there's an axe in the background on the on the wall. Yes, it is a very strange death cult. The axe is our symbol. We use it to channel our esoteric secrets. So it's really the axe that is talking through me now. There's not gonna there's not gonna be a surprise like murder on my live stream, is there? Well, it's not gonna be a surprise. You're just gonna see it or I mean it's yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, um that probably would be good for views. I don't support murder in any way whatsoever, but um yeah, we'll leave that at we'll leave that at. <laughs> 
we'll, we'll, yeah. let, we'll let sleeping dogs lie there. So I, I'm just, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I've only listened to a couple of your podcasts. The way that I found out about you was through a name search. I looked up my name, Rachel Haywire, and somebody had said, Justin Murphy's antics are comparable to Rachel Haywire's five years ago. That was how I heard about you. Um, I didn't know what they meant by that. Um, I think I kind of do now, um, talking about like fusions of aesthetics and extremes and ideas. Um, but it also turned out that a good friend of mine, Dean, was a huge fan of yours and he'd been listening to you on a regular basis. And then I put two and two together and I was, wait a minute, that's Justin Murphy. Um, and then I was talking to a, a communist um, by the name of Donald the other day and he said, you should go on Justin, J- Justin Murphy's show. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to hit this guy up. Oh, so. cool. Yeah. Well, thanks for reaching out. Was that Donald Parkinson? I think it is. Yes. Yes. It was Donald Parkinson. We have a lot of ideological disagreements, but we also feel um, in a similar way about some class issues. So he's an interesting person to talk to. Yeah. I think he, if I recall correctly, I've talked to so many people. I'm pretty sure he was on here before. He's, I'm, um, like, I'm not mixing he, people up. But he, yeah. he might might have been. Um, but yeah. he, he did mention you and he said that I should go on your show. So. Cool. Well, yeah, no, I'm glad you reached out. I'm glad, I'm glad that we're talking. Um, and it sounds like, I mean, we probably do have some overlap in our, uh, worldviews because I guess I, I never really came up through the kind of, um, individualist anarchistic tradition, Mm -hmm. but I, I would basically, in some sense, you could call me a post-left, um, anarchist communist type of person, but then I have a few kind of weird, like culturally illiberal, strands that I haven't really even fully worked out and I don't strongly believe, but I have just enough kind of culturally illiberal uh, sympathies that yes. I'm kind of like, on, I'm not allowed on the left, but oh, the overwhelming majority of my viewpoints are essentially kind of uh, left, left wing for the most part. Right. So right. yeah. And, and, sure. and, and since I've kind of gone down these routes lately, I've kind of been, People are people over the past couple of years of everyone's telling me you have to read Sterner and you have to read this and that. Yeah. And, um, so I've I've definitely been starting to understand a little bit more the, the those kinds of anarchist traditions and uh, yeah. So that just mm-hmm. I'm just giving mm-hmm. you some. Well, I definitely some recommend. Yeah. Yeah, definitely reading the ego on its own is definitely the classic. As I'm sure you know, um, I said that you were reading Junger. I'm um, reading about the anarch that he talks about in his books. It's the sovereign individual, the anarchist on the throne is how I like to put it. Um, I'm also culturally uh, liberal, um, but more in a mental way. Um, so I'm very left-wing socially, um, economically, um, very left-wing too, um, but metaphysically um, pretty far out there. And I always wondered why there wasn't a third dimension of politics, right? We have the social and we have the economic, but what about the metaphysical? That's another dimension of politics entirely. And that's where I find myself in the uh, bad guys category, so to speak. Um, my, my ideas are heretical, not not my my views, not my social opinions, but the aesthetics of the ideas that I'm into. That's where I become what people would call a reactionary, um, if, if that makes sense to you. I guess I'm, I'm an extremist art fag. I, I guess that, that would be the best way to put it. Okay. Tell me more about what you mean by extremist metaphysics. Okay. Um, so I'm very interested in extreme ideas that go beyond what people are socially familiar with. Um, everything from the deepest, darkest levels of 
tyranny and hierarchy and destruction, um, death, royalty, hatred, murder, um, but on an aesthetic and mental level. I would never hurt anybody, but I find these ideas utterly fascinating to explore. And I think that the taboo that we have in this culture of not even being able to explore these ideas is extremely dangerous. Because when I was in the New York City art and music scene, I was very, very socially active, but I wanted to discuss things like Nietzsche and things like Hobbes and Machiavelli, um, what I would call um, psychic dictatorship, the, the mental sort of occult world of tyranny which is very, very obscure and might not make a lot of sense to very many people, but I found it extremely fascinating. Um, and people started calling me a fascist, um, mm. which was a little alarming to me because my impression is that fascism was actually hurting people. Um, but when they started calling me a fascist, I read up on the history of fascism, um, and then I began researching the uh, Italian fascist, um, how it originated from the party in Italy who had called themselves the Futurist, um, which was really the work of a, a poet who had started this, not as a, a violent movement with an intent to kill anybody, but just as an artistic exploration of the deepest, darkest aspects of the human consciousness. Um, so I said, you know, I'm a psychic fascist, but I'm an extreme leftist. Um, and then most people just thought I was crazy, but there were really good, a few people who understood what I was talking about, and, and those became my friends. So, okay, interesting, interesting. Now, so is there something in what you just said suggesting that, in some sense, to access the kind of true radical, emancipatory, revolutionary kind of ideals that are often associated with the left, one has to kind of traverse these dark spaces yes. that are sometimes associated with the right? Yes, yes, the far, far, far extreme right. That doesn't mean advocating for racism, homophobia, transphobia, segregation, anti-immigration, or any of that. Um, it simply means to allow your mind to explore the most extreme worlds of dictatorship because your thoughts are free. And if your thoughts are free, you can go anywhere you want in your mind. And to place a limit on your thoughts seems very anti-progressive to me. So right. I'm, okay. I guess, an, an extremist thinker, if you could, could put it that way. Okay, yeah. It's, it sounds like you think that people have to kind of cultivate a and subject themselves to constant extreme practice when it comes to thinking. Yes, exactly. Exactly. It's like working out but with your mind. So going to the gym, you know, and lifting as many weights as you can, but mentally. That's what I think builds a strong character. Yes. Right. So what, I mean, what is your theory of these people who want other people to basically think as little as possible about these dangerous, dark possibilities of the mind? Cause that, I mean, that's, that's a lot of what this social justice yes. culture boils down yes, to. I it's think like, they're horrible people. I think they're putting a limit on human expression. I think they're putting a, a limit on the human imagination. Anybody who puts a limit on human imagination is not, somebody who I want anything to do with. I mean, my opinion of the entire Italian fascist party was that if 
limits weren't placed on the imagination to begin with, then there wouldn't have been all of that murder. People would have just been able to explore these ideas and, and this like hyper surrealist dark kind of theater, you know, on it. And that's my vision for, for futurism. So when I see I'm a futurist, I'm talking about kind of reclaiming that world, creating a nonviolent world of extreme and mental exploration. So are you suggesting a, a kind of theory in which the 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 Italian fascists only became so nasty and violent because their drive for radical, extreme kind of mental freedom and creativity was constrained? Is that what you're thinking? That's exactly what I'm thinking. That is the epitome of my thesis. That is what I fully believe. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a case to be made. I don't actually know offhand too much about the, the the history of the Italian fascist party, so I shouldn't speak mm-hmm. out of school. But one thing I have been thinking a lot more about is all of these mass shootings. Um, you know, these people are often saying pretty explicitly that, you know, they're fed up with, um, you know, all of the kind of political correctness and this and that, and they feel very oppressed by it. And of course, you know, it's very easy to poke a lot of holes in all of that as the, you know, deranged uh, lunatic ramblings of, you know, severely unstable, unhealthy, and, and, and ultimately, you know, really harmful people. But, you know, on some level, on some level, I tend to take people at their word, you know, uh, when, especially when people are leaving behind these documents that represent their, you know, their, their life and, and, and this big, like grandiose gesture that they make, I, you know, I tend to, I tend to kind of believe (laughs) what they say, at least in terms of how they see the world. You know, I think that's not, you know, there's this idea you should never read these people or talk about it at all. But I think that's kind of stupid. That's like plugging your ears. I look at these documents and I'm, you know, I, I take a lot of it at face value. And, and I, I think they actually are describing how they see things. Yes. And a lot and a lot of them are kind of, you know, that 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 data gives us is kind of consistent with what you're saying, because in some sense, you could argue, you, you could argue that a lot of these acts of, of mass violence are kind of coming from people who feel like their basic mental capacities yes. are being like overloaded or overcoated or overconstrained or something like that. Yes. Obviously just kind of like armchair hypothesis, but yeah, yeah I think what you're saying is not totally implausible. It's um repression is how I put it. Um, now this is a controversial idea, but there's a very thin line between an artist, a shaman, a serial killer and a dictator. Now, all of these prototypes have a similar passion, a similar inner flame. Now, the question is, what are you going to do with that inner flame? Are you going to make an incredible song and become the new David Bowie? Or are you going to be an anti-Semitic shitlord and become the Adolf Hitler? You know, um, it's really what you do with that flame that matters. Now, I truly believe that if these school shooters were given an artistic outlet we would have a lot less of these mass shootings to begin with. They feel repressed. They feel like they, they can't express their ideas. They're not welcome in society. So they turn to these acts of atrocity because they're not allowed to entertain them in their minds. Mm. Well, I think it's an open question empirically, like what are the causes, but I don't think it's at all an implausible hypothesis, you know, among others. So yeah, I think there's something there. So yeah, I, I could understand a case being made for, cultivating a culture of kind of extremism and thought that mm-hmm. would be justified by the, the salutary and kind of pro-social effects it would have yes. in practice and behaviorally in the long run. Yes. Now in your book, you mentioned um, since you were, since you invoked futurism a moment ago uh-huh. in your, in your book, I noticed one of the sections is called national futurism. Mm-hmm. 
So to a lot of people, that will sound like you're a nationalist and futurism okay. to a lot of people today right. sounds like it, it often is, a, it's often seen as a kind of a uh, signal or, or dog whistle as, as is the slang now of, of fascism basically. So uh, yes. what, is, what is national futurism and is it fascism? No, national futurism is not fascism. Um, and to be clear, psychic fascism is not fascism. So if anybody wants to say Rachel Hayward called herself a fascist, no, I'm talking about psychic fascism. That is an artistic exploration of the darkest areas of consciousness. Now, national futurism is a post-human society in which people in the future form their own nations based on hacking the genetic DNA of their national enterprise. So you have these higher races of occult nations that people are forming. So it's like the blockchain for occult nationalism. It's a way for people to express themselves. Essentially, um, that's my platform. I'm actually running for president of the United States under the U.S. Transhumanist Party. And one of the main things that I advocate for in my campaign is funding for the transgressive arts. The reason being is that if we have funding for the transgressive arts and people are able to express these ideas through paintings, through music, photography, and theater, then we are going to be able to really stop these horrific acts from occurring at such a mass level. And that's why funding for the transgressive arts is so important. We need to decrease school shootings. It's, it's so, so crucial to me. I mean, I'm totally serious. Maybe that sounds a little idealistic. Um, but no, I'm not laughing at you. I've been homeless. I, you know, yeah. Oh, th thank you. Yeah. Um, I, I've been homeless before and I know how people on the, the absolute extreme fringes of society think and if, if these kids that are having these killing fantasies about how they want to kill all the insert racial slur here have a place in which they can freak out without hurting anybody, I think they're going to feel a little better when, when they get back to their, their street corner or, or a hacker squad or, you know, collective living space with 20 people in it. They're going to feel a little bit better and a little less likely to shoot up their local. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that. I hear that. And so what gave you this idea to try to run for president? <laughs> okay, so I decided to run for president because Zoltan Isfahan told me that I should. And I'm a Zoltan fan. Hello, Zoltan. Um, I just, I like the guy. He said I should do it. And I followed his orders. I'm merely a cog in the transhumanist simulation. Um, but I really think that we need to change a lot of things in society. And I want to raise awareness on many issues. Um, UBI being a big one with all of the automation that is occurring now, I'd like to give everybody $2,000 a month and reallocate funds from overseas interventionalism. I want to release all nonviolent drug offenders and sex workers from prison and use the money that's going to the prison industrial military complex to give American citizens $2,000 a month. Um, I want to provide medical insurance for freelancers in the gig economy. Um, I am a freelancer in the gig economy. Um, honestly, the majority of the money that I make goes to medical these days, and that's really crappy. Um, so having, de having dealing with this problem myself, I, I want to come up with a solution. We need to address this order. Um, freelancers do not have medical insurance. Um, I think it's also important to stop imperialistic trade on um, to get more working class Americans jobs. So yeah, I just want to bring these issues up. I want to discuss these things that are really important to me. That's why I'm running for president. 
And so it, would the transhumanist party be targeting the Democratic primary? I am not running as a Democrat. I'm running as a transhumanist. Right. Okay. I wasn't sure what part yeah, of the, the process you're trying the to The transhumanist in party is its own party. It's not Democrat. It's not Republican. It's not Libertarian Socialist. It is the transhumanist party. We are our own political party. I gotcha. So you're asking people to write in, in other words. Yes, yes. I'm asking people to write in. I'm asking people to vote for me in the transhumanist primaries. Um, we have our own primaries, so there are other transhumanist candidates running. And if I win the transhumanist primary, um, which I I don't know, we'll, we'll see what happens, right? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm a futurist. I, I predict that it's uh, kind of likely um, that, um, yeah, then I'll be able to be an official candidate for the president of the United States and I'll get to you know, battle uh, against Donald Trump and um, Camille Harris or Bernie Sanders. I mean, I'm really just looking forward to it. Um, well, I like yeah. I like how you took Andrew Yang's single issue and then you just doubled <laughs> his amount and you're like, fuck, uh, fuck him. <laughs> no, um, see, see, you say that, but I went to an Andrew Yang rally. He was super nice. Um, I actually, I, I even took a selfie with him. I loved his idea. Um, I, I will be honest. Um, Andrew Yang inspired me to run for president. Um, obviously, he wasn't the, the only person who inspired me. It was my ideas on Zoltan, the, the current state of things, um, the fact that so many horrible things were happening with cryonics. Um, people were losing limbs. People were having horrible cryopreservations. And people kept saying we need legal protections for cryonics patients. And I was like, yeah, you know what? We, we do. I want to discuss this. Um, but, but I saw Andrew Yang, and I said, if this guy can do it, I can do it. So, so, so thank you, Andrew. So are you announcing this for the first time on my YouTube Yes, show? yes. This is the first time I have ever announced that I am running for president. Amazing. You <laughs> are the one to hear it. Thank, thank you, Mr. Murphy. <laughs> You're very welcome. Thank you. Thank you for uh, gracing my YouTube channel with this uh, you know, momentous announcement. It's a, it's a, a pleasure. It's a major goal. Oh, I mean, look, I only listened to a couple of your shows, but I really love what you're doing. And I kind of, um, even though I was only able to listen to the one that I mentioned um, with, you know, power, I'm in a little with the, the Sonia um, element, I think, about the, the pink pill, which I found hilarious. Um, I scrolled through the names of your other streams, and I really like how you're mixing like this reactionary Catholicism with this post-left anarchist philosophy. So, so th thank you for, for um, carrying on the torch. Um, you know, oh. th thank you for, for having the show, truly. Well, thank you for your interest in my work and uh, thanks for the kind words. But we should keep this about you. I appreciate yes. that. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, sure I, I do want to learn more about you while I have you here. So um, the there are other interesting ideas in your book that I wanted to maybe pick your brain mm -hmm. about. Um, there's a point where you say that um, hipsters, hipsters are doomed to become traditionalists. Yes. Maybe you could expand on that point. I think people would be interested to hear that. Yeah. So, um, like you were talking about at the beginning of the podcast, when I was still putting up a weird front for you, you mentioned that SJW anti-activism isn't cool anymore. I was an anti-SJW activist before it was cool. Um, hipsters becoming traditionalists is the same way. Um, as I put it in my book, they're drinking a Starbucks latte to pro anti-capitalism they are rebelling by coming by becoming um you know soccer dads they're rebelling be by becoming republican conventionalist um this is their new punk rock um conservatism is the new counterculture blah 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 um but what it really is is uh, what i refer to as a uh, rejecting of the status quo of cool 
When cool becomes a status quo, the hipsters will reject that status quo. So when the left reached a tipping point and became the status quo, NRX was um, planted. Um, and, and this is, um, I, I actually said this in, in 2010, before anything like this was going on, I said the reaction to culture becoming meta, meta, meta is for hipsters to read Evola. It was just a random thought that I had. I'd only heard of Evola once. It made sense to me. I mean, who, who was, was I to know what, what, what would occur? Interesting. <laughs> I mean, here, here we are. We, we have so many post, post, post modernisms that now we have um, traditionalist hipsters. So, yeah, um, hipsters will inevitably become traditionalists. That's the, the nature of the hipster game. Do you mind if I ask how old you are, Rachel? I have to talk about my real age um, because you have to be 35 to run for president. So I am just old enough. Okay, fair enough. Well, that seems like a better age than like fucking 80 years old, like the rest of these people. (laughs) I think it's so so crazy. These old people are running. I mean, like I have this theory that um, people who like Joe Biden or Bernie Sanders or whatever, like they're mostly urban people who don't hang out with their grandparents. Right. If you, if you like hung out with your, if you actually hung out with your grandparents and you actually knew what 80 year olds are like, you would not want them running for president. <laughs> all, all due respect to my grandparents and the 80 year old people. I love old people. They're, they're brilliant. <laughs> I have old friends. Yeah. But like these people, <laughs> like 80 year olds, like people don't realize how old that that's like people peeing their pants when they're eighties. Like you don't want them to, you don't want that to be your president. So I think like a ripe, a ripe young 35 year old, such as yourself would be more fitting. Right. Right. Yes. And I'm definitely ripe for uh, being on the third season of house of cards in which I have absolutely no freedom. Um, <laughs> no. Um, okay. I don't think there's a chance in hell that I'm going to win. Um, but stranger things have happened. Um, if I did win, I would be like I was in a Philip K. Dick novel. It's um, you know, about some some fringe political candidate who decides to run for president under a third party with some obscure name called transhumanism, and suddenly they actually win the election. Um, so so that would be funny. Um, well, <laughs> you, so yeah. what's your take on what's your take on the occult? You're into that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, could you not furnish yourself with some kind of like magical powers from the underworld to like make yourself president? Ooh, well, it's interesting that you mentioned that. Um, my first publication was a book that I was in called Generation Hex. I was selected to be a living archetype, um, an ergogor, if you will, an embodiment of chaos, um, a kind of Kali kind of 2.0 figure. Um, I was working for a counterculture publishing company at the time, um, and I was selected to embody the, the chaos, the, the the power and the destruction of the, the new millennium. Um they named me Rachel Haywire. So this was actually a name that was given to me. Um, but I decided to keep it and make it my own. Um, and the guy at the company that named me Rachel Haywire, this was the Disinformation Corporation, they named me Rachel Haywire to create me as an archetype in this book, right? They decided I went too far. And, and they were like, uh, we didn't want you to really do do this with Rachel Haywire. We, we just wanted you to be like in that book for that one chapter. Um but you know, Frankenstein monster. Here I am. Interesting. Now, does does the transhumanist party lean right or left? Ooh, that's an interesting question. Um, I would say that it depends on the transhumanist. Um, my personal approach is what I call beyond the center. Um, so we're not left, we're not right, um, but we're not center. We are beyond the center. 
um, you're going to get left-wing transhumanists, right-wing transhumanists, centrist transhumanists, socialist, um, nationalist, socialist, communist, national, Bolsheviks, blah, 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 all, all sorts of transhumanists. Um, I just go with beyond the center. That's what I would say we are. Okay. And how about just your basic quantitative estimate of the members? Are they generally left-leaning people or right-leaning people? Um, the majority of transhumanists, I'd say are actually pretty moderate. Is that a yes. train? Yeah, yeah, it's a train. Wow, interesting. Train, it's a bit very uh, marionette No, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of amazing ambiance, actually. Very, very. I'm, I'm loving the, the noise music. Thank you, gods. The future is um, um, <laughs> um, yeah. Transhumanists are pretty moderate as a whole. Um, there's the techno progressives. There's the um techno libertarians. Um, I'm in a, a Facebook group. I'm run by. Um, a hardcore libertarian named Mike Laurie. He has a, a techno libertarian faction. Um, I have National Futurism. Um, there's the, the National Futurist Party, which I founded. Um, there's Social Futurism, coined by a guy named Amon Zero, um, yeah. which was a splinter of transhuman separatism, which was a fringe transhumanist group that I had for artists and free thinkers. So there's a uh, lots of transhumanist factions. Um, but as a whole, we're, yeah. we're pretty moderate. If you want to like sum us all up into okay. to one kind of yeah. Yeah, it is interesting politically from a kind of political science perspective, the transhumanist vector, because it's mm -hmm. there are weird um, kind of social liberal tendencies that are correlated with it, it seems like. So, for instance, like queer politics, it seems very complimentary, right? Because people are all about like hacking their biology. That's a very kind of, uh, you know, transhumanist alignment with you know transgender right. politics or whatever like that. Yes. And on the other Bandini, hand, there's the autonomy. Right, right. Then on the other hand, there's this kind of hard uh, libertarian aspect to transhumanism sometimes that is seen as, you know, kind of socially illiberal, you know, like fuck, fuck society, speed on full, uh, speed on ahead, techno commercialism. Yeah, kind of, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think that the libertarian facet of transhumanism is different from what you would consider mainstream libertarianism because we're more what you would call um, bioprogressives, where there's the bioconservatives, um, who are the people who don't believe in bodily autonomy, who don't believe in morphological freedom, um, where we, the bioprogressives, who are mostly libertarian transhumanists, we believe in morphological freedom. That means the freedom to upload our minds, the freedom to modify ourselves, our bodies, to become cyborgs, to do whatever we want with our human form. Um, so that's a very libertarian idea. Yeah, in the transhumanist party that uh, a lot of mainstream libertarians are just not into. Um, I, I don't understand why they're not, um, because it, it's libertarianism, um, but it seems to kind of scare them away. So. <laughs> so, okay. So one of the things I was reading about when I was looking over your history and internet content mm -hmm. was your, your drama with Silicon Valley. I would love, oh, I would love oh if God. you could kind of give start? us. <laughs> you know, I, I was actually sent a gag order. So there is a lot I cannot say. Now, but to make a long story short, I upset some center-right policy hawks who decided to throw me under the bus by accusing me of being alt-right and take away a sponsorship for my arts and culture startup, despite the fact that they knew, number one, that I was a target of the alt-right, who have publicly accused me of being a degenerate, poor, kike, um, let, let's not net good graphic, um, and... The fact that I have publicly denounced the alt-right in my book, The New Art Right, which you can read for yourself, in which I explicitly state 
that the new alt-right is a direct overthrow of the alt-right. So they knew for a fact that I wasn't alt-right. They know that I am just a Jewish anarchist artist who is a little weird. But they threw me under the bus because I wasn't quiet enough, because I wasn't uh, academic enough. Um, for, for me, it was pure classism because they knew that these allegations against me were false, but they used them to take away my sponsorship because they were worried about respectability politics and public relations. These people disgust me. Um, I don't want to say too much more. I'm afraid they might try to get the video shut down. Um, but I am writing a memoir. Yeah, these, these are really, really bad people. Um, I, I, I don't want to really discuss it anymore. I'm honestly a little worried. Um, but I am writing a book exposing them. Um, I have legal assistance. Um, no, we're, we're going to go. Okay, I know what I can say. I know what I can say. I'm just you know, touching myself. Um, but I'm writing a book exposing them and I'm talking about their practices. I'm talking about what they do with cryopreservation. I'm talking about what they do at their parties, the way they treat people that don't have as much money as them. It's a very elitist, a very just brutal, brutal world. Um, and the, the thing is, if they're going to accuse a, an artist like me of being all right, that has brought so much growth to transhumanism. I mean, I, I founded the Extreme Futures Festival in 2011. I fused art and tech together. I brought life extension and industrial music together. If they want to throw somebody like me under the bus because I'm not um, strousy enough, um, I mean, as it, it, Pop, you would say, you know, like your time is up. It, it's time for them to go. Yeah, make way for for the new transhumanist guard. Like you guys are outnumbered. We're we're the, the new transhumanists. Okay, that's fascinating. So yeah. I don't want to I don't want to go too deep on that. I don't want to get yeah. you killed by some like uh, tech billionaire or something. But we have breaking we have breaking news, which is quite interesting here, Rachel. Okay, great, let's hear it. We have, we have a super chat from oh. someone named New, mm-hmm. and their super chat for sixty nine dollars. <laughs> thank you very much for that, Mister New. That's oh, really thank you, sixty nine. Love, love, love it. It's, a, it's a one word super chat, and mm-hmm. the word is just horny in all caps. I don't know if they're talking about you or if they're talking to me. However, that case might be. So I'm very grateful for the $69, Mr. or Mrs. New. I've so, always and, been a thought leader. <laughs> yes. Well, you're 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 leading someone's thoughts somewhere. Uh, sure. <laughs> I'm a leader of the Thought Patrol. Um, but are, are we going to divvy the 69 up between each other? Or how, how does that work? Oh, good question. You, you, drive, you, drive a, you drive a hard bargain. We'll talk. Yeah, yeah thanks, thanks, New. I love being a thought leader. Thanks. Love it. Love it. Cool. All right. Well, um, it, it is strange what people throw me money for sometimes. Um, <laughs> sometimes I don't, sometimes I, I, I don't understand actually the service that I might really oh, be know, providing to people. Anybody has the meaning of life. They're free to throw me $42. Um, if, if any Nazis are angry at me, they can give me 88. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just, just keep, keep coming in. So, yeah. so okay. Here, I want to talk a little about, if you will, I want to talk a little bit about, how do you see the current kind of landscape for independent thinkers and writers and yeah. just kind of the, the current, both the kind of cultural atmosphere, but also the kind of the political economy, because you've been someone who's, you know, I get a sense from your kind of history over the past few years that, you know, you, to your credit, you've, you've really been kind of on the militant outside for, for quite a while. I mean, I, I, right. I think whether people like or dislike your viewpoints or writings or whatever, I think one thing people, it seems people have to give you is that you've been out there, you know, kind of practicing and preaching, you know, a kind of militant, absolutely radical independence of mind and freedom of expression and, and really, you know, doing whatever you want at all times. And, uh, 
you know, DIY. And um, yeah, it seems like you've, you, you definitely represent that kind of spirit, you know, with a lot of integrity and over a long period of time. So for someone who's been kind of out there on, in, you know, on the internet and doing kind of militantly independent anti-institutional things for quite a while, I'm curious, I'm curious about your viewpoint on, on where things are going and, and how things look to you for specifically thinking for other types of people who are, you know, kind of making their own calculations about like, should I go to grad school and spend the next five years in an institution? Should I try to get a good job this way? Or should I just go straight to the internet and go full speed ahead, radical independence? You know, you're, you're someone who's kind of been out there for a while. So I'm curious, how do you see things right now? Do you feel like right now it's actually um, getting better and better for independent, you know, creative people such as yourself or what? Um, you I don't, but that's why I'm running for president because I would like it to. I would like things to get better for creative, independent people like myself that are on the margins of society. Um, as I put it, I would like to convert the margins into profits. Um, but that's what we need. We need to convert the margins into to profits. Um, we need a new Promethean uprising, a phoenix rising through the ashes, a new cultural flame. And I think that in order to do that, we need to have more funding for the transgressive arts period on um, independent founders, content creators, weirdos who have strange philosophies need to be given a voice. We need to be given a platform. And um, when I founded Trigger Warning, that was the purpose of it, to give independent creators a platform. Um, things kind of went southward because I had an angry editor who I didn't want to publish the fiction writing of, um, but that's a whole other story for another time. Um, but I haven't really seen anything like that developed since then. Um, I was actually thinking about rebooting Trigger Warning um, just because there really isn't an outlet like that now. Um, and there, there needs to be. Now, I've come across some, some cool websites, um, but they're mostly obscure blogs. Um, one I came across, it was called um, Alien Ecologies. It was, um, I, I think, like a, a leftist accelerationist blog. Um, and I just, I loved the, the writing on it, but I don't think very many people have, have heard of it. Um, if it was up to me, Alien Ecologies would be as, as popular as Sam Harris. So you don't think that we're currently going through quite a renaissance and proliferation of independent voices actually doing quite well for themselves in different ways? Because that's how it looks like to me, no? Um, Well, okay. See, when you put it that way, um, I think, yes, with podcasting, with YouTube shows, with independent content creation, yes, we are. um, But with mainstream culture, absolutely not. Um, And the reason that I say this is because people feel more repressed than ever with what they can and cannot say. Um, But how much does mainstream culture matter anymore? Is it not decreasing? That's that's, because that's kind of been Hmm. my view for some time now. I see what you're saying. So so are the, the fringes better? Um, yes, yeah, I mean, I'm just curious about okay. your view of, of kind of the distribution of power, cultural power and influence. And is it changing? And how do you see it from your end? Okay, yes. Um, you're talking about fractured microcosms and files of weird subcultures doing their own thing. It's a wonderful time for us. Let's rejoice. Um, <laughs> but I don't think we have gone far enough. Um, and the reason is because in mainstream society, which you say is unimportant, um, and it, it's mostly not, um, and Hopefully it will all succeed from it and it won't even like exist eventually. Um, but, but right now, um, let, let's talk about realistic things. Um, there are still people in government, people in bureaucracy, people in corporate, multi-global, massive complexes with so much power. Um, 
one of these people has more power than thousands of us combined. I'm not not to get too populist, um, but the, the riots in France are happening for a reason. Um, and I think for us to pretend like this stuff isn't going on because we're happy in our little micro sub tribe, and it's it's a little careless. I, I think we need to address what's going on in the wider culture. Um, that's why I say, you know, go beyond the center. Um, let's influence mainstream culture. There's no reason that we should have to be um, on the margins, you know, convert the margins into profits. Um, we have so much power, so many brilliant ideas, but between ourselves on, on these shows, these independent podcasts, these, these independent streams. Um, and I feel like we should be doing better. But let's let's talk about class. We we should be doing better. Am I wrong? No, I think that's a fine call to arms. I'm curious. Do you think that the the kind of social justice tendencies are going to get stronger and stronger and kind of more constraining indefinitely over the over the next few years, or do you see that kind of stuff fizzling out soon? Mm, that's actually a really dangerous question to ask because my response might give people a few bad ideas. So I'm hesitant to talk about anything too dystopian in that regard. No, please um, do. <sighs> but then people, uh, extreme dark triad sociopaths, they're like, "Oh, cool! That's a good idea. Let's make that happen." Um, no, just say what you th- just say what you okay. think is happening, and um, and you don't take responsibility for what other people may or may not do. Just I just want to know what you think is happening. I believe that the left and the right are being annihilated by a global center that is taking complete and utter power, and that if we don't go beyond the center from the fringes and expand the playing field, that we are going to miss the left and the right like crazy, that the culture wars that we are complaining about today are going to be a sacred relic, that we're just going to have a monolithic center of soullessness. Um, That's what I see, um, but that doesn't mean that I can't change but I said, that doesn't mean that we as study can't take this dystopian warning and work to create an alternative. Um, I, I do see things going that way now, um, but we have agency. Yay, agency. So, so yes, we, we can work to have something different than that. Okay, interesting. I'm always just kind of curious how people see those things. I'm quite bullish, I guess, on possibilities oh. for, yeah, kind of uh, a, a major opening and kind of renaissance in true, truly independent, small scale, but kind of collective uh, cultural uh, flowerings of, of, of various kinds, which seem to be already happening. I'm kind of interested oh. in accelerating that. And to me, the, the situation looks actually really quite rosy, all things considered on this front anyway, hmm. in, in a way that I think I tend to see things way more rosy, way rosier right. than a lot of other people for some reason. So I'm always curious hmm. on how other people see that. And so, yeah, yeah. that's interesting. Hmm. Um, to, to admit it, I might be talking about this little bubble that I'm living inside of, um, because my perspective, I'm sure, is very different. I'm having been very, very early. Um, I've always been too too far ahead. Um, so, so what I saw was um, my creation, trigger warning, kind of getting wiped out by the intellectual dark web, which kind of watered down the ideas that we had when we were founding NRX, um, not that I'm NRX anymore, God forbid. Um, but that it just became really monolithic. Um, the, the writing now is it's so functional. It, it lacks a, a fire. Um, but, I, but I do want to plug The Agonist, um, a journal that I recently contributed to, um, run by Christopher D. Root. Um, I was published in there with Paul Godfrey. He's a Jewish paleoconservative. He was talking about the virtues of the left, um, the, the old left, and, and how we can sort of use that now in this current state. Um, and I think that that journal is touching on this, this insurrectionary current that I've been talking about for a while. So, so there definitely are new forms, new, new sites that are being created. Um, what, what I really like is the, the little 
the little scenes, the aesthetic Twitter, I call it, on just beautiful pictures that I see, people discussing architecture, people coming up with new theories. Um, there's this, this whole group of people that complain about labels, but I love labels. When I hear like postmodern, neo-meta, reactionary, egotist, monarchist, la la I'm like, yeah, 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 give me more. It's just, I, I love that stuff. So um, in a way, it's a, a fantastic time because the fringe is better than ever around. But like I said before, um, the, the mono culture center um seems to have all the power now um but i'm talking about a micro little world that i live in um and i am quite aware of that no that's okay no that's why i value different people's perspectives i mean i'm i'm i have my biases too i'm sure i mean i I think i tend to be quite bullish on all of this because i'm personally kind of in the throes of a rather momentous kind of like career change kind of like personal life wager doing all this stuff and for me so i'm in a very heady days, you know, things okay. are, things are working out quite well for me and it's very exciting. And you're um, I mean, not too well. Don't, don't, you're, I don't want to, you know, no, I don't want to, uh, over, over inflate anything. I mean, I'm like basically transitioning out of academia to be like okay. a full-time crazy person. And, uh, okay. I'm like, I'm far from, I'm far, very, very far from like replacing my income or like being at all hmm. financially sustainable, but right. things are just seem to be working really well and feeling really right. right. And right. I see lots of other people doing this kind of stuff. And and uh-huh. so I'm just, I'm biased by my own personally yes. petty and exciting moment, I guess. Yes. So that's why I like to get other people's perspectives because, you know, you know, that's what you need to do. So we have another, uh, another uh-huh. super chat from Mr. Woker Nexus. Thank you, uh-huh. Mr. Woker Nexus for the $5 here. Mm. And uh, the question is for you, Rachel, do you have any opinions on Algo Rave? I don't know if that's a band of philosophy or a book. I don't know either. I was assuming you would know what it means. I'm assuming, I'm just going to guess. It's oh, like uh, rave music generated by algorithms. That's just my naive. Oh, oh, algorithm. Algorithm. Yeah. Um, having gone to a bunch of raves growing up, I don't think that anything is going to be better than the raves that I attended when I was younger. Um, but I'm also an aging hipster. Um, I'd be open to going to an algorithm. And, you know, um, if I have a good time at the algorithm, I would go to another. So um, person who sent me that question, um, invite me to the next algorithm. I will be there. Nice. Someone clarifies Ashwin here. Uh, clarifies by saying it's making music with live coding. So I guess oh, people. Oh, of course. Okay, like the demo scene and all of that. Yes, yeah, I, I guess exactly I guess, what you're talking about. Okay. I guess people are like actually yes. writing code and making the music that mm. you're listening to. Yes, I think that's really cool. Um, I know a guy named Rich that does that with a uh, project in San Francisco called Love Tech. Um, he lights up LEDs with a MIDI controller, so it's just really cool. Um, like virtual kind of tech kind of programming um it's a bunch of multimedia installations um and it's just i love that stuff um i want to see more of it um it's a little uncanny sometimes it's a little bit as uh, it's like oh cool you, you go to robot it's, it's singing a song you know um but i think it has a lot of potential okay cool thank you for thank you for sharing that uh-huh. i have no opinions on algo rave uh-huh. um I'm generally against parties and fun and, and, <laughs> and stuff like that in general so <laughs> Uh, I guess I'm generally against Algo Rave, but nothing right. personal. No, um, I like the idea, but I think that it could go a lot further. That that's my opinion. Is um, Algo Rave is a seed, and I want to see the way it grows. Okay, okay. Um, do you have any opinions on Bronze Age Pervert? Um, I haven't read his Thus Spoke Zara Thester tribute yet, um, but if he signs a copy and sends it to me, then I would be happy to check it out and give it a review. <laughs> um, and t- tell him that I'll send him a copy of the new art, right? That's a, that's a nice stipulation. I like, mm-hmm. I like, I like how you, uh, how you do that. Cool. Uh, 
All right, I'm just looking through other questions. Um, let's see. Da, da, da. Yeah, okay. I think we're I think we're up to speed on the on the uh, audience questions. Okay. So, um, yeah, okay. Just back to back to you, Amy. People, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll let you know if we got any other questions. Okay, actually, I'm at a question for you. Um, you're a professor right now. I'm just curious. No, I, I was. So I'll give you okay. the quick. I'll give you the quick TLDR on my story. Uh-huh. Yes, it's pretty. Cool. It's pretty. I mean, it's pretty crazy. I think like when when things really kicked off. I, I made a conscious decision to not do the whole like media game. I don't want to be like mm. some kind of like, I don't, I didn't want to fit into this mold of the, right. like the, you know, beleaguered, uh, oppressed, punished uh, professor who's like <laughs> fallen from grace. And then like, I make a career out of like being that guy who like indignantly protested being fired from academia. So Jordan I, and Peterson, I have no idea who you're talking about. Yeah, no, and I, I mean, no disrespect even to them. It's it's one way to do the, it's one way to play the game, but it's not me. It's not me. So, so I have a pretty crazy story to be honest, but it's um, when, when, when it kind of really came to a head, I chose to just kind of be quiet and, and go back to doing my own thing without talking about it too much. So a lot of people don't actually know how things panned out or how things played out. Yes. So I, I'm happy to just give you the quick TLDR. Um, I'm writing a book about this now too, so cool. it'll it'll all come out in due time. But uh, mm. basically, in a nutshell, I was a professor for six years almost. Yeah, six years actually. Really? Or, I forget if it's five or six. Um, but in in England, yeah, I finished my PhD in 2013. I got mm. a job, a, a permanent job, so like a tenure track, the British version of tenure track um, okay. job as a professor. I'm a political scientist, mm. and uh, I went. So I, I lived in England for the past six years almost. And mm. basically, I mean, make a very long story short. I've, I've already, I've written lots of blog posts about it. If you really cared to understand mm-hmm. the story, you could, you could look them up. But um, yeah. in a nutshell, I got more and more interested in doing stuff on the internet. Like I, I started a mm. podcast like two years ago or more than that now. And I've always been blogging a bit. Mm-hmm. And I guess I've always been into, I've always been interested in radical politics. I've always been kind of involved in radical politics, but kind of like you, I have a more kind of I come from the tradition of kind of like radical DIY um, kind of like art and music culture, like countercultural currents, you know, like I lived in a warehouse for like Mm. three years in Philly with like, I I, I lived in like like an abandoned warehouse and my model, my model, my model of radical politics was always kind of like, you know, you, you, you don't ask for things, you don't demand things, you take what belongs to you and you, you put, you know, culturally transgressive radical politics. Like you, you, you overthrow systems by, essentially doing whatever you want as militantly as possible with other people who also want to do that. And then at a certain point they can't stop you. And that's always been kind of implicitly mm. one of my kind of like mental models and, and the culturally and temperamentally, that's always been who I am and, and how I've kind of operated. That's cool that you're, you're breaking that. Um, I have to ask you, cause you said warehouse Philly, were you ever living at the copycat building? Um, no, but I, w- I mixed with those people. I, oh, I, that's wild. Yeah. Okay, I, I went to a lot of punk, a lot of hardcore shows there, a lot of weird like cyber techno events. Um, there are a lot of like hardcore anarchists there. They made me feel like a, a bougie liberal trap. Um, and there, there was actually a disturbing moment at one of these, these uh, <laughs> copycat Philly warehouse parties. Um, it was too much for me. And I considered myself really radical at the time. There was a, a little four-year-old girl running around and she was telling dead cop jokes. Whoa. And I just said, you know what, like cops, are, they're, they're oppressive, but that, that's too much. Don't, don't teach your, your four-year-old to tell dead cop jokes. Come on. Wow. You know, that's pretty I, wild. Yeah, anyway, yeah, real quick, I'll just conclude. Well, I was, I was <laughs> trying to tell you a short Sorry, story, and I, then I made it a long one. But yeah. basically, 
the uh, yeah. So that's always been kind of how yeah. I've been. And so when I, when I got a job as an academic, I was very lucky to get a full-time tenure track job. They're extremely difficult to get. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, you know, I buckled down for a few years and didn't do anything rebellious whatsoever. And just kind of focused on my career for like three years. Yes. It was kind of, it was kind of like, you know, really destroying me a bit. So mm-hmm. once I kind of succeeded and I, I was like doing well with publications and I basically checked all the boxes I needed to check for my career. Okay. And I basically got tenured in the British, the British version mm-hmm. of tenure anyway. Oh, and then cool. I, at that point I was kind of like, well, okay, now I'm going to do whatever I want because I'm, this is the whole point of job security is like, you get it so that you can do whatever you want. Right. Um, so I'm like, I'm going to take for myself, whatever I want to do now. So I started blogging more, started doing a podcast more, whatever. And uh, basically just the, the way this pans out is that uh, I, you know, I started down that path and was having fun with it and things were kind of, you know, people were kind of reading and, and liking it. And, and so that was energizing. And then I just kind of kept going and and basically that was inevitably going to kind of um, intersect with what was allowed for me to act like. And uh, the the straw that broke the camel's back was uh, this one time I used the word retard on Twitter. A student, a student uh, complained about that to my dean. What a retard. And, and I got suspended for that, for that tweet, basically that. Oh man, know, I'm sorry. That's retarded. Sounds really retarded. I'm sorry you had to explain. I know. Yeah, that. exactly. Wow. And so I was like on paid. I was on paid leave. They put me on paid leave. Ooh. They suspended me paid leave for oh, like for, for like four months, more than four okay. months, I think. And uh, it looked like I was. They were probably going to try to fire me. And I was. I was going to maybe do like the whole like fucking Brett Weinstein thing and be this like right, right. you know besieged professor. Yes. I was getting media requests and stuff like that. But I'm like, yeah. I don't want to spend the rest the next like six months doing some kind of like big indignant like protest tour where i go on like, yeah. pop, like jordan peterson where i'm like emailing jordan okay. peterson, like, i don't like that it's please let me talk to you yeah. please let me talk to you on your podcast i'm like a really important case of a an oppressed professor like i i, I, I saw that <laughs> i saw that kind of like that was an opening that was yeah. that was like presenting itself to me very clearly and i'm like yeah this is a trap. i do not want to play this game good, good for you you know i really respect you for not going down that route um i actually i i find it to be um if you can excuse my language uh a bit degenerate that somebody would take an opportunity like that and make their entire political career based on using the wrong pronoun. I mean, to, to me, that that is just cheap. And I, I would be happy to debate Mr. Peterson. Not that he would ever want anything to do with a low-life lumpen like me. Um, but if he would debate me. <laughs> I would like to tell him, you know what, you're, you're a fucking grifter. I'm, I'm just, I'm going to come out and say it. And if I lose the Peterson vote, I don't care because they don't want to fund the transgressive arts. That's cool. Yeah, no, that's a, that's one way to think about it. I mean, my attitude is like, I don't, I, I don't even, yeah. I, I, have no, I have no objections to that, to yeah. that model. If that's how, if that's mm-hmm. how your life plays out, you know, yeah. I'm, uh, no disrespect for me, but it's more like for me, I could see it happening. And it was like, I think because we've been through this too many times before, like I've seen it happen to Jordan Peterson. I've seen it yeah. happen to Brett Weinstein. I'm just kind of like, mm. actually I I'm too conscious of this. I'm not going to do it consciously. That would be so corny. So I was like, actually, you know what? I'm going to be better off doing whatever I want on the internet. And when yeah. I, once I, once I realized that actually it was a blessing and that my life was actually going to get better and my intellectual career was actually going to become more influential and more fun all at once. I'm like, you know mm-hmm. what? Like, I'm not oppressed. This is awesome. This is good for me. Right, right. And, that, that's an amazing story. And I so I decided to basically just like kind of uh, instead, they were probably going to fire me. So instead I was just, I, I told them um, that I was leaving. And uh, 
I got a nice little severance package, which was convenient. And, uh, but basically that's kind of the, the hook of my book because uh -huh. I, I'm going to call my book. I think the title is going to be something like how academia got pwned because what I, ah, <laughs> there's, a, there's a little bit of a uh, homage there, but, um, yeah, all right. what, what is, what was the kind of crowning insight there for me was that actually this is a good thing. And that's a much more radical insight really than kind of like being a, you know, oppressed, like indignant victim, yeah. because actually like the much more radical story here in my view, anyway, the way that I see the kind of past few years of cultural mm -hmm. politics is that actually what's really momentous is that there's less and less reason for an academic such as myself to even deal with any of the nonsense. And, and actually like academia is going to lose in this exchange with me and I'm going mm -hmm. to be better off for it. And, and that, when you really think that through, that's much more interesting and, and valuable and observation and noteworthy, I think, uh, an experience than like doing some like beleaguered oppressed victim tour. Yeah, seriously. I mean, there's the cathedral and then there's the cathedral, you know, and then there's, oh. uh, you're just exploiting a bunch of pathetic social justice warriors. I mean, when I see people, uh, whether it's Peterson or like, a one of those, uh, conservative, uh, trendy anti-SJWs who came in after the first rush on just like filming themselves getting oppressed by communists. It's, you know what, like, like get, get a life, like, like write, write a book, write, write a song. I mean, like, I'm a musician. I have a new album coming out. I've been working on industrial music since I was really young. I'm 2005, actually. Um, and I'm releasing a new album called Alternative Technology. It's about my ideas as a philosopher, as a transhumanist, as a futurist. Um, and for me, like writing this album, I mean, I have a, a great partner that I'm working on the final production with. Um, he's been doing a lot of the mixing. Um, and we're really excited about releasing it. Um, to, to me, that is so much more gratifying than look at me. I'm getting oppressed by a bunch of leftists, like, like cre created an album or, or at least like make some, uh, um, 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 algorithm to do something, you know, like <laughs> it's a fair, it's a, it's a fair yeah. point. It's a fair point. I think, um, so here's a question from the audience. This okay. is a, uh, we got a $6 super chat here from uh, someone named Weird Hiker Friend. Thank Hi, you. Hiker. Thank you, Weird Hiker Friend. And the question is, the question is for you, Rachel, as a transhumanist, what do you think about the anti-tech ideas of Ted Kaczynski? I think that he was a brilliant philosopher with bad execution. He really knew what was going on with political correctness. He saw the decline of civilization through his own eyes, but he was a horrible person who used the flame inside in the wrong way. Okay. Great Short, ideas, bad yeah. person. Um, his theories are absolutely fascinating. Um, I'm not going to say that people should read the Unabomber Manifesto, um, but if you do, a lot of what he's saying um, is in line with a lot of the tech critical transhumanists today who are saying similar things to what Ted himself said, which was simply that information was making us stupid. Um, Bold Bolger said the same thing when he wrote Simulacra in Simulation. Um, information is making us dumb because we have so much of it. We're so overwhelmed by it. We don't know what is real anymore. Um, and Ted Kaczynski, he, he knew what was going on. Um, his uh, art project was was a very bad one. He, he should have uh, made, made a painting. You know, he, he should have written an, an, another book. So Ted, great ideas, a shitty execution. Maybe, I'll, maybe I can get him on the live stream from prison. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you, you could uh, invoke him through through the the uh, oh, 
Yeah. There's also a, a question here from Crypt. I don't know if you know Crypt on Twitter, but oh, yeah, uh, I remember. Hey, Crypt. Um, but but let me back. Um, underscore Rachel Haywire underscore. Oh, did you see the question? Yeah, he wanted to know what's your anonymous Twitter handle. Okay, so here's the thing. Um, I had a Twitter account of about five thousand followers. I nuked it because I was getting mobbed by a bunch of neo Nazis and far left communists at once. I just didn't want to deal with it, so I nuked the Twitter account. Um, and I could not get my name back because Twitter didn't want to give me my name back. There was no other reason, even though they know that I'm Rachel Haywire. Um, I, I think it was just the robots that wouldn't give me my name back. Um, so it's underscore Rachel Haywire underscore. Um, can, can I type it in the chat so they can see it? Yeah, sure. Go for it. I can also put it in the description later if you want. All right. Thanks. Yeah, I'd appreciate that because I had 5K Twitter followers and now I only have a few hundred. Um, it's weird um, being a, an, an every woman in the, the Twitter sphere. I, I used to be uh, at the, the top of the bottom um, now I'm just at the middle of the bottom so um but yeah yeah everybody uh follow me on twitter um I'll follow you back if you've got some cool ideas so yeah cool cool and so um all right we have another question from new this is the same person who gave us the 69 dollars oh, super chat can you give me another 69 horny uh this one's only for five bucks oh what so I, I don't like that one as much I don't know if I should answer the question uh th this question is are you a fan of the works of Marshall Applewhite? <laughs> Marshall Applewhite. Do I have to consult Google again? All right. I've never heard that name in my life. Marshall, is this like some dick joke? Hey, Marshall Applewhite. That's what she it's said. It's going to be like some that. porn star. Marshall Applewhite. None is to and do was the American cult leader who founded Heaven's Gate religious cult, um, mass suicide. Um, no, I'm not a fan of a religious psychopath, but I'd be happy to sit down with him and discuss Christian reactionary theology. Um, give me one second. I'm going to plug in my laptop. Oh, sure. So I'm going to walk around the co-working space. All right. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to just like move to this, this spot right here. My battery is dying. Um, but um, yeah, I don't know. Heaven's Gate. Um, it, was that the mass suicide cult? I, I probably should know more. I'm sorry. Bear with me one second. All right. Um, I, I will admit to, to my ignorance on the subject. Um, I'm looking him up. Marshall Applewhite, Heaven's Gate, Mass Suicide. Yes. Um, am I a fan of him? No, but I would be interested in finding out what led him to get people to commit mass suicide. Um, I have heard about him now, now that I realize who he is. Um, I, I would like to know his motivations before I can assert um, if I'm, I'm pro or anti him. I, I would want to know why he did it. So um, thanks, um, I like how you. I like how you need more information before deciding whether you like. Him. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like I just googled him. I've I've heard about this. Um, I know about the mass suicides. Um, but I don't know why they did it. Um, yeah, I would like to know now. So, so thanks, thanks, um, Mister Mister Fiverr for for turning me onto this guy. Um, someone in the chat said something that I I was also thinking myself, which is the co working space that you're in does not look like any co working space I've ever seen. It looks pretty cool. <laughs> So, um, it looked like a more DIY, like punk cover. kind of place. Yeah, yeah, that was the only one I could get into. Um, I was rejected from WeWork for my political beliefs. Um, I'm really? forming a no. No, uh, no, I just made that up. Um, <laughs> no, I just, I just like it here. It's um comfortable. It reminds me of uh, a lot of the warehouse spaces that I used to do parties at. Um, I used to go to raves, um, industrial underground renegade parties. Um, I would play noise shows at spaces like that. So, um, having that artistic musical inspiration in the place that I actually work is really inspiring for me. Yeah, so that place looks here. 
That place looks cool. Also, like, why are there no people anywhere? <laughs> because it is one of those days and which people have decided not to come in. So no worries. Well, yeah, no, I like it's it for me. Um, the, the real reason is because I told everybody that I was going to be doing a show and I think they just didn't want to be around for the collateral damage. So <laughs> cool. fair enough. Fair enough. So, um, what are you working on next? Like what's the big project for you over the next, I mean, obviously running for president is a tall order, uh-huh. but, um, I'm running for president. you were I, modest about the likelihood that that might not succeed. Yeah, at, no, um, I mean, if, if it's the Philip K. Dick alternative reality, sure. That would be great. Um, but it is very important to vote for me in the transhumanist primary so I can get a seat at the debates of the presidential election on, of course, beating the two party system has never happened in America. I, I would love to see it happen. Um, if, if there's anything that I could truly do, it would be to defeat the two-party system, even if I didn't win, just to, to have a libertarian win. Uh, wow. I mean, because talk, talk about being stuck in a binary. Um, but I have a new album coming out, an Experiment Haywire album. I'm going to go ahead and type the website into the chat. It's called Alternative Technology. It's coming out in a few months. Um, my book, uh, That's Silicon Valley Corruption, is coming out soon. Um, and I'm about to launch RachelHaywire.com. It's a personal website of mine. It has all of my writing, all of my modeling pictures, all of my features. So it's a huge, massive portfolio, a centralization of everything that I've ever done. Um, I'm going to be launching that soon. And I'm going to be blogging again. Um, and I might be relaunching trigger warning depending on various circumstances. So yeah, yeah, lots, lots to look forward to. Yeah, what happened to that anyway when, when that first came um, out? Well, I was saying that I had an editor that I was working with that was mad that I didn't want to publish her fiction writing. Um, she made up a bunch of lies about me online. Um, they were so ridiculous. I didn't even bother to form any type of rebuttal at all. So it was just kind of classic like social just, conflict basically. Uh, she she claims that I like scammed people and that I was on some Jewish trust fund and like, I, I don't know. Um, and so the whole thing kind of went down. I down had no desire to even deal with her in any way. Um, it, it would have been like sinking too low to, to even create a rebuttal. Um, so yeah, the, the whole thing fell apart um, because they didn't want to be in what they perceived to be uh, involved in alt-right drama. That's how they saw it at the time. Um, because there, there were a lot of people on the alt-right that were attacking me. Um, you know um, how I put it? You know gentrification where you got um, like these these liberal white hipsters moving in to uh, ghetto? Well, I think that's how a lot of people on the alt-right saw me. Um, a, a Jewish founder. Like I was kind of moving into the, um, <laughs> the, the alt-right uh ghetto and gentrifying it. I, I really think that they viewed it like, like I was explaining them, like, like I was their oppressor, um, which, which is, is an amazing perspective to have. I mean, I give them points just for like having that view. Um, but needless to say, the, the whole thing fell apart completely. Um, and the money that I was given for trigger warning was reallocated to uh, another website, which I will not name. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, it all collapsed. Um, I, I learned how to code. Um, <laughs> that's what I did. Um, um, and then I, I wasn't really super amazing at callback functions. So I decided to take a course in user experience design. Um, and eventually I became a freelance designer, started making logos, banners, posters, flyers. Um, and now I'm the CEO of Avant Design. It's my own design agency. So yeah. here I am. Yeah, yeah I'm a, a working yeah. artist. Yeah. Many, many irons in the fire. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. yeah my sense is like, I'm a very social person. I, well, and, 
I mean, no, I don't do a lot of socializing, but I like, I like community. I'm a, I'm a strong believer of community and kind of like cooperation. And, and cause I am ultimately in that sense, a communist in okay. some sense, but I've also become extremely jaded about basically doing anything that requires like any other human being to like be reliable in any particular way, <laughs> other than sure. being married, other than being married, which is like my one true commitment and like oh. absolute, um, you know, like community bond mm-hmm. um, and family, obviously. But when it comes to like creative projects, I, I, I've become like a radical individualist in some sense, because it's just things get too messy, too nasty. And like people are too variable. And it's like, if you want to actually make anything happen, you kind of have to do it yourself. And so like my, my model is like this, this, this old model of like, doing a internet magazine where like multiple people are kind of like cooperating on it. I think it's kind of a bad model. I think those things actually don't work very well. I did learn that the hard way. I think like, I think my sense is that if you're smart and able and you have things to say that you should, what, what I think we're seeing now is more and more people are just going to do totally individual personal things, build up a little platform around that, build an audience around that. And then once individual has that, then you can start cooperating with other individuals who have done that for themselves also. Yeah. And then from those people, a community can be made. And then what you can actually do is you can, okay. you can create community from within your people who kind of orbit you like that. that I, I invest a lot of time and energy and cool. kind of like fostering, you know, fostering and supporting community from the people that are in my internet, like uh space, but I don't like rely on anyone to do anything for me, for me, for my projects to, to move forward. Cause I feel like I mean, that's where things, things always get fucked mm-hmm. up that way. It sounds like you're talking about what Sterner would refer to as the union of egoists, which is a bunch of independent people kind of working on their own terms, but still having a synthesis between them. Um, And yeah, looking back, I would not do uh, another magazine with another person at that level. Um, If anything, it would be like an entire team. We would have an actual pyramid structure. It would be a lot less messy. And it would definitely be more well planned out and it would be more based on individual creation um, because, you know, tribal dynamics fall apart. You've got um, Denver number. Um, another issue is that people um, on the fringes and the outside of society often fight with each other a lot um, because we're, we're all a bunch of vanguardists. Um, I, I will say that about all of us, far left, far right. Um, we're, we're all a bunch of vanguardists um, and we're, we're very mean and very judgmental and a lot of our lives suck. Um, so it, it often, um, well, what happens is we, we've got our little businesses, they fall apart because of infighting and then some, some big happy centerist company kind of comes in and, you know, then they, they become the new thing and, you know, it's, it's like trigger warning, but polished. And, um, you know, it, it happens a lot. Um, you know, you, you got like the bands that came before the sex pistols, you know, that had all their, their fights, you know, all these, these punk bands fighting, right. You had all these industrial bands, uh, before Nine Inch Nails with their spats. Um, you, you had all these little companies before Google, you know, of weird fucked up hackers who just couldn't get along with each other. Um, so there's definitely a, a lesson in there for all of us. Yeah, I think so. And and I think it's a, it's it's actually a really false dichotomy, this idea of like, you're an individualistic person who who does everything by yourself and, and you hate people and you're like the, you know, you're against community or something like that. Right. Because what actually happens in practice is you need... I mean, I don't want to sound like an elitist, but like you need a certain number of like highly functional people to to produce like quality stuff in a sustainable, conscientious, consistent way over time Mm -hmm. in order to support and sustain like the community of people who like are not so blessed to have those, those skills or traits. Right, right. But there's uh, something about that, um, the problem I've run into. And if I can see if anybody else from uh, my failures, um, Listen to this carefully. A lot of the ultra functional people do not want to work with the weird visionaries. Um, and if they do, they often just want to take from us. 
because they don't like the cut of her jib. Um, we're, we're too uh, unstable or erratic for them. Um, and that's definitely something that we need to solve going ahead. Um, if you've got these, these brilliant people on the fringes of society who just uh, can't function very well, you know, how, how do we avoid getting taken advantage of, right? Um, and, and that's why I'm not to bring it back to my presidential campaign, but we need funding for the transgressive arts so we can get functionalists to support us and believe in us hmm. to help us carry out our visions out and can stop us from fighting like a bunch of lunatics. I mean, seriously, you know, it's like it's, it's us against the modern world. Let's get our shit together, you know? I mean, really. So, um, you know, hopefully... Like even if I don't win the presidential campaign, um, you know, and I don't replace uh, Mr. Trump, um, hopefully there will be more awareness about the transgressive arts. There will be more awareness about universal basic income. Um, another part of my platform is cryptocurrency in medical treatments. So a lot of people, they can't pay for their specialized medical treatments. Their insurance doesn't cover their specialist. But if we could use the blockchain to fund specialized medical care, then so many new worlds of options could open up for people that have esoteric conditions that need a treatment that they're unable to afford, that their insurance doesn't cover. So another part of my platform is advocating for cryptocurrency and medical options. And I'd really like to see that happen too. Okay. So we have another super chat from this person named new once again for not $69, but $6.9. <laughs> Thank you new. And, uh, the question, <laughs> the, the question this time, or it's not really a question. It's a statement. Okay. I mean, you can respond to this however you want or uh -huh. not respond to it. I don't know sure. what I mean exactly, but it is more like racial haywire where racial spelled like race. I don't know. Oh, I get it. A bunch of firefighters are trying to throw me to the bulbs and make me their yas queen. Um, <laughs> all, all I got to say is uh, we need a psychic or racial haywire. Wow. Okay. Cool. That's my response. That's, I, at least they're giving me money. I mean, I've never, I've never heard you talk about like race issues or anything. Do you much? Mm -hmm. No. And I talk about the, the psychic race, the, the higher psychic race. Um, I am a, a race moderate. Um, I believe in human biodiversity, but I don't give a shit about it. Um, meaning that, yes, I believe in science, but no, I do not think that it matters to the extent that a lot of people do. Um, you know, I've, I've read uh, Talkies, the Bloom's Review. I'm not saying that they don't have their statistics in line. Um, there's some of them are, are very picky about their information. And there is definitely a racial bias a lot of the time, um, but I'm not de debunking it. Um, I'm simply saying, who cares? I, I don't judge the group. I don't judge the collective. Yeah. I judge the individual. The individual matters to me. It's, it's not the, the ethnic group. I don't care about uh, breeding programs. Um, I, I don't even know if I should be mentioning this. Um, but there's a certain uh, white nationalist girl. Um, I'm not saying I'm a, a fan of her or anything like that, um, but she she really works her ass off. And all that people ever say to her is, you need to have some white babies. <laughs> you know, can, can you imagine like taking all that shit, like getting called a, a thought and a whore, you know, and being accused of, of being a Jew like 24-7 and working your ass off and just being told you, you need some white babies. You need to have some white like, babies. <laughs> Like, yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah. And anyway, um, yeah, I, I, I don't care. The, the only race that matters to me is psychic. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Now, um, what was it going to, there was, I feel like I don't want to keep you too long, but the, I feel like there's one question I might ask you okay. before, before I let you go. I mean, I'm not rushing you off. We can talk about anything else. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I, I've got yeah. about 15 more minutes. So yeah. Perfect. 
I'm kind of curious to just grok a little bit better. You know, what is ultimately your, you know, what is your belief about how people should conduct themselves or what people should do? Because, you know, towards the end of your book, there are chapters that are kind of, you know, kind of going in that direction, like, you know, an open letter to the underworld and, mm-hmm. uh, and you, and you, you have this idea of a dark bohemia at the end there. Yes, you yes. Know, so I'm curious if you could kind of paint for us a picture of like, what is your end game? What is your kind mm-hmm. of ideal uh, dream for okay. where, the, where the world goes in the, in the near future and how people should try to get there? Uh-huh. Yes. So my dream goal is for us to go beyond the center and create a dark bohemia it's the new art, right? Um, but you know what? Let, let's forget about the, the term left and right now. And let's let's focus on the dark bohemia. Yeah, please. The dark bohemia is a union of egoists with the same as spiritual, psychic, and occult inclinations to create an empire of the mind. It is a new faction of dark creative individualism. Um, now we're talking about like early futurism um, in the modern era. Um, of people, people like us, uniting to form a, a new theater scene, a new music scene, a new film scene for us to take those dark areas of our mind, um, like we were talking about before, so we can create a beautiful underworld and prevent mass shootings, um, prevent genocide, prevent hate crimes. And the only hate crime that we need to be creating is a hate crime of artistic expression. So that's what Dark Bohemia is about. Um, it's a way for us to, to fight fascism from the inside, I guess you could say. And when people can express themselves and they're not banned for their content, when they're not shut off of YouTube or Twitter or Facebook for, for posting a nude picture, or for posting a weird symbol that might be misconstrued some way, that is when we can really begin to have a true dialogue uh, that the human spirit and the potential of humanity and and transhumanity um, and transhumanity, because when we're talking about like the next step of evolution, transhumanity, we're talking about virtual reality, we're talking about augmented reality, and we're talking about the worlds that we can explore in our mind, the the empires, the kingdoms that we can go to in our minds, in our heads, the occult universes that we can explore. So what I would say, um, my, my advice um, to, to uh, young dark bohemians or uh, simply people that uh, find me hot and interesting um, is to form an art movement, to get your friends together that are making a weird music, to get your friends together that are shooting strange films, and to invite them all to a party, um, rent out a space like this one, um, find a warehouse, um, rent out a, another co-working space, or ask a friend of yours if you can borrow their office for an hour when the office is shut down. Bring all your friends, even if you've only got four friends, even if you have to start a meetup group, only if, if it's you and like six people on Facebook. Have them all come by, have everybody perform, have everybody talk. That's how we started Dark Bohemia. Right on. Well, that definitely that definitely jives with a lot of my tendencies. So I, I like that description you just laid out there, and I feel like this has been interesting. I've got I definitely got a better sense of what you're all about, and uh, mm-hmm. it's been fun talking with you. So thank you. Great, great. Yeah, thanks for having me on your show. It's been a pleasure. Um, is it okay if I plug the website where people can register to vote for me yeah, or the sure. Transhumanist Party, and for sure. me to plug my platform? Go all right, for so it. I'm going to plug both of these right now. Um, plug it all. Everybody that is watching right here. Um, this is where you can go to register for the Transhumanist Party. It takes a literally one second. You just put in your name and your email address. That's all you've got to do. And the second link that I'm going to give you here 
is my platform. So you can read about my views. You can read about my positions, what I stand for, and what I want to do. Um, to be clear, I'm not a joke candidate. I'm a, a little out there, but everything that I'm talking about in my platform is something that I truly believe and something I would really like to see happen. I will put all those links in the description of the show. So people may or may not be able to see it at the moment, but I'll put it all right now in the link so people can uh, click it from there. Great. Sounds good. Yeah. Well, I hope you have a great rest of the night and yeah. Yeah. Let me know when this is uh, officially online and I'll spread it to the universe. Yeah, you got it. And uh, thanks again for joining. And uh, I also just wanted to add, you know, like I I, I really do, I still don't know all the nuances of what you may or may not think. And I don't really judge people for whatever, you know, like, things they might've said or alliances they might've had that I don't fully understand. But one thing I will say is that I do want to kind of give you some, some respect for the fact that you've, you've been out there doing your thing for quite a while. And I always really appreciate that about people. I like people who, you know, are militantly independent, not just once, you know, to be provocative or not just twice to be provocative, but who like year in and year out are like always out there representing that kind of, some kind of like far out, like not giving a fuck kind of attitude. And you seem like that type of person. So I appreciate that about you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, it's a tough job, but uh, somebody's going to do it as they say. I'm really, I'm just being myself, and I encourage everybody else to be themselves too. Cool. Well, maybe we'll talk again sometime. I'll see you around the, later. See you around the interwebs for sure. Sounds good. Bye. All right. Bye, Rachel. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you thought that was cool, then don't forget to subscribe, and it would be even cooler if you left a review. I'd appreciate that. And yeah, just to learn more about what I'm up to, you can check out theotherlifenow.com. That's all. And I will see you around the internet.